This is SportsCenter. Good morning, I'm Doug Brown. The Clippers get a Game 3 win, and Luka Doncic of the Mavericks sprains his left ankle. The Clippers now lead that series 2-1 after a 130-122 win. Kawhi Leonard with 36 points. Paul George with another cold shooting game, only 3 of 16, but he's not worried. I'm going to continue to just get lost in the game. Whether I make shots, I miss shots. I'm going to continue to be aggressive, trying to get guys looks. I'm just play the game, like shot making. I've always said this. Scoring the ball is is not what I do. I try to do everything. I try to play the game the right way. As for Doncic and that ankle sprain, no word yet on his prognosis. He'll have an MRI today. The Celtics now lead the 76ers three games to none after a 102-94 win. Joel Embiid with 30 points and 13 rebounds in the loss for the Sixers. Stanley Cup playoffs move on to round two today. Last night, the Canucks eliminated the defending champs 6-2, winning that series in six games. And the Flyers beat the Canadiens 3-2, winning that series in six games. The baseball, the Dodgers become the majors' first team with 20 wins. They're now 20-8. They beat the Rockies 5-1. The Giants beat the Diamondbacks 6-2. Evan Longoria, a two-run homer, the 300th of his career. A change of plans for the Kentucky Derby. The rescheduled race will run two weeks from today, but instead of reduced capacity, there will now be no fans at Churchill Downs. Race organizers pointing to an increase in COVID-19 cases. Major League Baseball on ESPN Radio. Two teams battling for the crown in the NL West as the Dodgers host the Rockies. Today at 8.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Maximum security still has to get by Midcourt. Midcourt fighting him all the way down to the wire. Maximum security has the lead. We're off to the races, powered by The Racing Biz, your independent voice for racing and breeding in the Mid-Atlantic. On the web at theracingbiz.com. On the radio, on ESPN Richmond, it's off to the races. Here's Nick Hahn. And thanks for spending your Saturday mornings with us on Off to the Races. Ray Charles bringing us in. What do you say now? It's Ray Charles. What do you say? Let's get going. Yeah, like my Ray Charles on a Saturday morning gets me going. You know, Aretha Franklin called him the right reverend. And Frank Sinatra called him the only genius in the business. I just call him an American gem. Ray Charles, one of the most talented uh, musicians ever, and uh, brings us into off to the races this morning. From the opening, you heard it there. That was the San Diego handicap. That was maximum security trying to fend off midcourt in the San Diego handicap. If you don't like the result of this San Diego handicap, you get to pretty much uh, have another run at it today as the Pacific Classic is our feature race on Off to the Races today. Only a field of six. It'll be run at 9.30 tonight, but it's midcourt, higher power, uh, coming back from the um, San Diego Handicap to run in that race. We'll have plenty more of that on Off to the Races this morning. On the show this morning, Daryl Wood, Scott Wugan will tell us a little bit about the harness meet. Next meet up, Colonial Downs, um, of course, forced to close. We got the word last Friday about the closure of the meet, but um, the next meet up is the harness meet out at Shenandoah in County in Woodstock. Um, we'll learn a little bit more about that. Frank Petromala will tell us what happened with Colonial Downs. Of course, Frank Vespi as well will join us on the show. Paul Espinoza will join us, the track announcer up at Charlestown. They have their big race this Friday, so we're going to get a little ahead of that. And, of course, Derby Bill in our last segment may be joined by a special guest. This ought to be fun. But let's go back and recap the Alabama Stakes held at Saratoga last week to feature the grade one a mile and a quarter on the dirt. 
certainly the preview for the Kentucky Oaks. We'll have a um, little announcement. You heard it maybe at the top of the break. The Kentucky Derby will be run without fans. We'll discuss that a little bit later as well. But um, in the uh, in these Alabama stakes up at Saratoga, you very rarely hear the track announcer drop the mic, but John Embriel pretty much did so at the quarter pole because Swiss Skydiver was this impressive. Let's hear the call of the Alabama. And they're in the stretch, and it is Swiss Skydiver, and she's opened up on the field here. Swiss Skydiver in front by a half dozen lengths. Then Harvey's little girl, Bonnie South, and on Vuitton. And Swiss Skydiver is sailing home here in the 140th running of the Alabama. Impressive win by Swiss Skydiver Tyler Gaffleone aboard. Kenny McPeak, the trainer, winning trainer there for uh, Pete Callahan. So uh, congratulations to those connections. Somehow got off at 4.30 and paid 4.30. Got off at uh, uh, decent odds for that horse, as impressive as she's been, setting up the big rematch with Gamine. The last derby prep race of the year before the Kentucky Derby was the Pegasus at Monmouth Park. Won't have the stretch call here, but Pneumatic got those points. Will not run in the Derby. Neither will um, apparently Jesus's team. So um, congratulations to those connections there for Pneumatic picking up the win at Monmouth. And in the Derby field, it very much looks like we'll have a Virginia bred uh, in the field as attachment rate earns enough points to be in the field. So it's always good to see a Virginia bred in the Derby field, but want to now reach out to Daryl Wood, who, uh, had, um, a bird's eye view of racing at Colonial Downs and, um, want to bring him on to the show here. Hey, good morning, Daryl. Um, well, yeah, working on Daryl here, but uh, just to maybe go back and recap uh, while we're getting Daryl lined up, the Kentucky Derby has a field of uh, 20, 20 that are set, and tis the law. Some of the jockey assignments are lined up. Frank, uh, uh, Manuel Franco will ride tis the law, and it looks like attachment rate will be, uh, as we mentioned earlier, will be uh, Joe Talamo uh, for trainer D- Dale Romans there, the Virginia bred we mentioned earlier in the Derby run without fans because um, just a, a number of incidents in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, um, certainly a, a little bit of a spike in the COVID uh, tests and the positive tests there, an increased number of cases there. And the 146th running of the uh, Kentucky Derby will be run without fans. It just would have been it's unprecedented this year. Uh, certainly the unrest with the uh, shooting of Breonna Taylor, say her name, uh, and we will on this show, um, you know, certainly a factor too, drawing a little bit of protest there. Just, I think the right move to run the Derby without fans this year. And I think we now have Daryl on the show. Good morning, Daryl. Take two. I think I'm Take here. Take two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us on Off to the Races this morning. And, uh, yeah, we'd, uh, Daryl joining us here. And, Daryl, uh, this time last week at Colonial Downs, we had over 850 horses on the grounds. The last horses are leaving this weekend, uh, probably by Monday. Uh, the backstretch will be empty. And, um, you know, certainly... Uh, not the result we were looking for. It was just a beleaguered, beleaguered meet at Colonial Downs. Weather phenomena, uh, COVID, everything else just wreaking havoc on the 2020 meet. Right decision to turn the page, but now we have the next meet up, and that's uh, the harness horsemen who step up at um, Shenandoah Downs uh, there in Woodstock just off of I-81. That'll be run without fans, in fact, without uh, even wagering. But uh, the preparations coming in tow for for that meet. Tell us, give us the update there. Yeah, you're right. A week ago it was a little bit sad, fresh off the news of uh, Colonial Downs. But, uh, you know, I know that you mentioned the Derby is going to be run without people. Uh, here in Richmond, NASCAR announced uh, yesterday Richmond's not going to have people at their race. So uh, we've got lots of company. But, yeah, the harness meet uh, actually kicks off here a week from Wednesday with a three-day preview meet that Scott Wogan's going to talk about. So we've got three days of racing coming up in Woodstock, Virginia. Really quaint uh, mountain town. If folks haven't been there yet, it's halfway between Winchester and Harrisonburg, right off I-81. 
Um, after the three-day meet, uh, we take a two-week break and then fire up again on uh, September 18th, going through October the 17th, and and again, spectator-free, unfortunately. And we're not at the point in the infancy of Shenandoah Downs that we actually simulcast a signal up yet. So there's no wagering on the meet either. Uh, we're running it to be able to, like the steeplechase meets earlier this year, be able to um, reward the horsemen that have that have invested money in the industry, that have bred horses, and they need to pay their bills for the farms and training centers. So we're going to run the races per normal, give out the purse money over the five weeks, and uh, hopefully run a safe meet uh, and, and get out of there, um, you know, being able to run the full five weeks. Just recapping the Colonial meet, uh, there were a couple of Middleburg winners that were up. Uh, you posted this on Virginia Horse Racing and VABread.org, uh, VirginiaHorseRacing.com. The, the Middleburg winners came back and won, ironically, I think Trevor McCarthy uh, rode both of those horses at Colonial Downs. Uh, you know, nice leading and kind of shows how important even the middle to low levels of racing can be, if you want to call it that, you know, the, this farm racing or green racing or however you want to call it, um, came out of Middleburg. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I know it's, it's, it's great that we're, we're trying to promote that because uh, Chuck Coon took over the Middleburg Training Center uh, when it was nearly in shambles here about three, four years ago and has invested millions of dollars into it. And, and really, it just it has just been uh, completed here in the last couple, three months. So it's great that a couple winners came out of uh, Ballerin Racing Stable. Uh, David Ross owns the pair. Uh, they went to Colonial Downs and, uh, and, and won. So it's great news for that, but great news that uh, we can promote the Middleburg Training Center. It's a world-class facility and a great place for horses to be based uh year-round and, and especially toward the virginia meet a great place for them to be raised as well so um we're trying to get some some word out about that so yeah nick that was great news yeah some nice wins there and and some of the good stories of course uh what the beep a good story for eagle point um uh, karen dennehy godsey who actually was renovating her barns when all this happened so it's a little tough to ship back but um understand that they have everything un- under control there so uh and moving forward well daryl we're going to move on to scott wugan here on off to the races but thanks for joining us and uh look forward to to see you in the leadoff spot next week. We'll be talking about the harness meet uh, at Shenandoah. Definitely, Nick. And just remember, it's a driver, not a jockey. I'll try to remember that. You, I'm going to get a little. I'm going to get my uh, what is it? A minute, two minutes of fame, perhaps. Maybe ten races. You know, through the ten. How many races on the card at, at Shenandoah? What do you think? Uh, you know, some days there's nine or ten, and some days there's thirteen or fourteen. So it can be a, a, a challenge sometimes. Wow, almost might get almost a half hour of fame there. But thanks yeah, uh, <laughs> calling now. Yeah, anybody wants to call amateur race callers, contact Earl Wood. Uh, maybe there's still some slots available there. Uh, Going to move on here to Scott Wugan, who um, represents the Harness Horsemen. A long time ago, uh, we used to have uh, Dr. Scott Wugan on the show doing Harness Handicapping Hints. Back in the days when we called the show Down the Stretch, and broadcasted from the Churchill Studios of all places, and uh, we're going to bring them on here for off to the races. And uh, Scott Wugan, uh, thanks for joining us. As yeah, we're I think we're bringing him up here next, but um, yeah, Doctor Scott Wugan to join us here on off to the races here in moments. But uh, yeah, if you, just to kind of restate that uh, they're looking for amateur track announcers they're going to give you the opportunity to race at um, and call the races up at Shenandoah Downs so uh, I'm going to get a day there calling the races so I got to brush up on that and that was a reference to the driver jockey comment of course uh, different in the two uh, breeds what you call the the pilots of the horses there but uh, I think we have Scott Wugan now Scott thanks for joining us on off to the races this morning Sure, thanks for asking me to come on. Uh, look, next meet up, as we talked about, uh, several successful meets, a very quaint setting. Many people may not understand that that harness meet up at Shenandoah has been run for over a century, almost like, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's, it's uh, 
known through Shenandoah County in the upper to mid uh, Shenandoah Valley for that fact. But, um, you know, tell us a little bit. Give us maybe a little more background of, of the Shenandoah meet and maybe uh, your expectations coming into it. Yeah, well, in terms of the background, you got to remember, before there were cars, there were horse-drawn carriages. And before there was NASCAR racing, there was harness racing where people would take their fastest horses and compete with each other under cart rather than under saddle. So this dates back into the 1800s. Virginia had a great tradition with lots of tracks that had harness racing at the turn of the century. One of those was in Woodstock, Virginia. We now have had consecutive years of harness racing there for over 100 years. Uh, unfortunately, it's the last surviving harness track. But we're looking forward to continuing the tradition of that fair racing, which is the three days that Daryl would alluded to, which comes up a week after next, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then a week and a half later, we go into our what would have been our paramutual meet where people would have been able to come out and bet on the horses, but unfortunately will be dark without fans like so many other venues. It really is an interesting venue there. Uh, I've actually seen some of the Amish and the Mennonite, you know, file claim slips. And it's like, well, they don't really race to, you know, but they actually claim some of these horses to just use, use in, in, in their agriculture, just in traveling in general. It's kind of an interesting setting there. It's, it's really kind of a shame you, you don't have fans this year. What are expectations with the meet? I mean, you've seen, saw what happened at Colonial Downs with the COVID. Uh, you know, what are some of the precautions and just expectations for the meet? Well, we're going to try to socially distance. Uh, I, unlike racing at Colonial Downs in a big building, we've got tents set up, which is basically outdoor stabling. We're going to have people wear masks and socially distance. And we'll be racing, I hope, out of those tents and not out of an enclosed paddock where I think there's a higher risk of becoming infected. Everyone that comes on the grounds has their temperature checked. They have to wear a mask. And they have to relay to us whether or not they've had any symptoms which could suggest COVID. So we're trying to take those precautions. I think because we can run this thing basically outdoors, I think we're going to be in much better shape than than Colonial Downs. And again, we won't have a jockey room where the jockeys, in our case, the drivers congregate. And I think that's where the spread occurred in this situation at Colonial Downs. Dr. Scott Wugan, you're a doctor yourself, so certainly going to take, uh, you know, with the, your background, uh, you know, all the precautions will be there. You're also a driver uh, and also, uh, uh, you know, an owner. Uh, you know, must be looking forward to the meet and, and tell us how this helps the harness horsemen, um, even though they won't have fans and, and uh, you know, the fanfare and, and the wagering, but uh, they still got to be looking forward to this meet. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, certainly a lot of daily expense that goes into owning a harness horse between the care and the feed and the exercise that they require. And with so many venues shut down and no opportunity for the horsemen to race, gather some purse money to help them through, it's a big problem. And harness racing tends to be a a middle-class sport. A lot of the drivers are also trainers and they're also owners of their horses and had no income coming in for quite some time. So even though there's no fans and no betting this year, we felt it was important to distribute purse money that we had accrued over the past year, enable the horsemen to actually survive and continue to operate their stables and feed and take care of their horses. Well, we'll be able to watch the racing online, and we'll share that those links uh, certainly in depth uh, next week as we preview the harness uh, meet at Shenandoah Downs. Scott, thanks for joining us on Off to the Races this morning. Well, thanks for asking me, and everybody stay safe. And as a physician, I'll tell everyone social distance and wear a mask. It really is the only way to keep this infection rate down. Thanks so much. Hey. 
hearing that from uh, certainly uh, an expert in the uh, medical profession there and uh, also a harness horseman, doctors, longtime harness horseman, Dr. Scott Wugan. Uh, in mere moments, we'll have Frank Petromala on, who is counsel for the horsemen here in Virginia as... Um, you know, we'll learn a little bit just just to kind of set something up. Um, the situation at Colonial Downs after the meet was canceled, there, there were kind of there were many people left in a spot, quite frankly. And the um, you have a number of large outfits, medium sized outfits. You know, we talk about Eagle Point. We talk about Ferris Allen and and the longtime supporters. I'm leaving many out. Uh, supporters of the meet, but there are a lot of small outfits that also come to Colonial Downs, and they were left in a situation where they traveled to Colonial Downs with um, with a, with cost involved. It takes money to ship here, and you have the expectation that you're going to earn per money. You know whether you win or finish in the money, or uh, there's even uh, you know just a a rider fee basically uh, for horses that are entered and colonial mainly not through the covid but just through the series of i mean just crazy weather uh didn't have an opportunity i think we estimated that they basically ran one normal day of racing everything else was either a makeup day or a partial card or racing off the turf or you know there were just some situations there and a number of these small outfits didn't have a chance to generate money and that's where the the uh, Virginia horsemen stepped up and provided opportunity for them to go to their next meet, which is, uh, you know, which was tough enough as it is, as all the, you know, a lot of the uh, backstretches locked down and require quarantine. So you're stuck on the backstretch of Colonial Downs. You got 14 days that you got a quarantine before you go anywhere else. And it just, it was a tough spot. And in the Virginia horsemen stepped up and uh, we're going to bring on uh, Frank Petromala here on off to the races to maybe just discuss maybe what happened to the meet and and you know some of the services that they provided because it was really a very humane and very um you know it was great that they stepped up and, and helped the horsemen that were looking to support the meet of uh, from months and you know from the time the meet closed last year off of the success of 2019 so uh frank petromala now joins us on off to the races good morning frank and uh we're reaching out to frank here on on um off to the races this morning and i think we have him here now good morning frank good morning nick how are you Good, good. Just kind of describe the situation on the backstretch at Colonial Downs after the closure of the meet. Uh, you know, it certainly wasn't the result of the meet that you were looking for off of such a successful campaign in 2019. Maybe just tell us a little bit about how the meet, um, you know, how it had to conclude and, and what was done after the meet when you were kind of faced with a very unprecedented situation brought on with the closure of the meet? Well, we, we started out with, uh, with great expectations. We were uh, uh, going to run a six-week meet with uh, 18 days of racing starting July 27th and ending on September 2nd, just, just before the Labor Day uh, weekend following. And uh, we, we wound up uh, running actually six days, and the rest of the meet uh, was uh, was canceled. And we were kind of snake bitten, I, I guess. So we started out. Our first cancellation was uh, heat. The heat index here was on opening day was 105 degrees. So the uh, uh, we all agreed to cancel for the safety of the of the the horses and the the jockeys. And then uh, the next uh, next time we had a cancellation for the uh, hurricane whose name I cannot pronounce, and and <laughs> then uh, yes. <laughs> that's it. That's that's it. I had n I never heard of that name before. Uh, interesting name. Anyway, and then the third cancellation uh, came about uh, because we had a power outage. Uh, the, all the power between uh, New Kent and Williamsburg uh, went out, and we we had to cancel after. Three uh, uh, three races, and then the following week, uh, the COVID nineteen situation hit us. Uh, one of the jockeys uh, was positive, and then uh, uh, with uh, 
the, in cooperation with Colonial, we, we had some more testing done on the uh, on the jockey colony, and a number of jockeys and valets came up uh, positive. So uh, we we agreed that it made sense to, to cancel the rest of the meet. Well, needless to say, uh, it's difficult when you have uh, 600 horses here and trainers from up and down the East Coast as well as the Midwest to shut down an operation. No one really has had an opportunity to, to race more than once and make some money to uh, cover expenses. So we uh, we had to work with uh, with racetrack management to close down the, the operation as uh, quickly and safely as, as possible. And the, uh, the HBPA uh, put together a little program to assist uh, trainers who... Uh, who were shipping out of here, and I think we wound up, um, I don't know, giving giving stipends to something like forty three trainers who were shipping out, going to Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, New Jersey, Maryland, Delaware, and 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 back to Florida. And then what we also put together was kind of a a unique little program. As I said, we had six days of racing canceled. Uh, so the, the, that meant there were 524 horses that should have raced but didn't. So uh, the HBPA d- decided to use some of the purse money to compensate those folks in a small way. Um, we, uh, at the end of the month, will be sending out checks uh, to each horse or the owner of each horse that was canceled in the amount of $800. And uh, with regard to each trainer who had a a, a horse on uh, on a on the card, uh, two hundred and fifty dollars uh, per horse. Uh, altogether, it's probably oh, some somewhere between six and seven hundred thousand. But we thought it was the it was the least we could we should do to uh, kind of support all of the folks who supported our our racing program and. We encouraged them all to come back next year, where hopefully we we wouldn't be hit by uh, not a triple whammy. I guess it was a quadruple whammy that uh, <laughs> that confronted us. So now I'm sitting here at the racetrack on a Saturday morning, and it's almost a ghost town. Uh, I would guess there probably are somewhere between 25 and 30 horses still left, and probably by the end of the day they will uh, they will be gone. And that's the short version of a very interesting uh, race meet. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's very uh, smart that you did that. Certainly these horsemen will come back and support the meet, but it was also very humane. And uh, if, if nobody has thanked the VP, BHBPA, I, I know I did this privately, but also publicly want to thank uh, the horsemen for, for taking care of the horsemen on the backstretch. Horsemen taking care of horsemen, that's, that's basically the mission statement for the HBPA. But... Uh, Appreciate you coming on uh, the show, Frank, to uh, describe and explain the events. And uh, we are certainly looking forward for uh, 2021, maybe get 21 days. 21 for 21 would be fine with me uh, next year. Hey, that's good. Yeah, I like that, Nick. That's that's good. (laughs) We we expect to run more days. Uh, We're we're hoping to, to say, race between 21 and, and 25. Um, it all depends on how much money is in our purse account because we we, we want to keep the purse levels up there. We don't want to run a whole bunch of days at uh, at a hundred thousand dollars a day. That's crazy. We'd like to go back to where we were last year when we were running for about five hundred thousand a day. So we'll see. Keep our fingers crossed. Great. Yeah, certainly uh, looking forward. Optimistic for next year. Thanks, Frank, for joining us. On okay. Off to the races. Frank Petromala, counsel for uh, the Virginia HBPA and uh, longtime counsel, and um, great job there. Um, very responsible for the Virginia horsemen to step up there. Uh, Going to bring on Frank Vespi here, uh, kind of just to recap of everything you've heard so far on the on the show so far, and maybe discuss what's happening in the mid-Atlantic through the racingbiz.com. Um, Frank Vespi up next on Off to the Races. And um, 
you know, certainly a tough situation for Colonial uh, there and, you know, maybe an opportunity for racing to take a look at itself through this whole, uh, uh, you know, with the Derby being canceled or the Derby crowd rather being canceled, um, you know, maybe the big days in racing, you know, there's a saying in racing, the big days get bigger and the small days get smaller. Maybe an opportunity to switch that out. You know, maybe the small days need to get bigger and the big days need to get smaller is, you know, maybe that's a lesson that comes up through COVID. And uh, Frank, I believe is now on the line uh, for the racing biz. Frank, good morning. Good morning, Nick. How are you today? Our second Frank on the show this morning on Off to the Races. And uh, just heard Frank Petromala there talk about the closure of the meet. We got the harness meet in front of us uh, up in the Shenandoah here in Virginia. What's happening? Uh, you know, thoughts on that as well as what's happening in the Mid-Atlantic? Well, obviously, it was a, a tough blow uh, for the Colonial meet to end the way it did. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully the... Horsemen all come out of that in one piece. It sounds like the HBPA is doing what it can, and and obviously people will be turning to the harness meet, although since you can't bet on it or watch it, that I guess that is going to be a challenge, but it should be good for the horsemen, uh, for the harness horsemen. So that's good news. Obviously, I, I know you're going to be talking with Paul Espinosa in a few minutes and the Charlestown Classic coming up this week. That That's exciting. It should be, I'm working on a story right now for the racingbiz.com. should be interesting in that it's the first time that race has run in August. Typically, it runs in April, and they're combining it with their other graded race, Charlestown Oaks. So that should be, that's the first time that's being done as well. So that should be interesting to see. Uh, how that plays out. Everything in horse racing is an experiment this year, so it, it should be interesting to see how this one works. Um, one other thing I, I, I did want to pass on condolences to our friends in Charlestown, uh, the passing of trainer Leslie Condon uh, Thursday night. Uh, you know, she had many friends in, in that community, and, and a lot of people are saddened by her passing. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, hate to hear that. Want to want to maybe mention one story on the racing biz. I was reading it last night. Uh, I have very little chance of getting this name right, but I'll try and get it um, get it down. Who is Phyllis Sobozinski? It, this is such a great story. I, I'm glad you asked me about it. Teresa Gennaro wrote the story for us. Phyllis Sobochensky is, uh, she's 87 years old. When she was a teenager, she decided she was going to own horses. And, you know, most of us have these sort of little teenage dreams. Hers was a little more serious. She created a stable name. She designed the silks she was going to have. She was all set to go. And then she waited more than 60 years to realize her dream. But she carried it with her her entire life. And... Uh, approaching her 80th birthday, she uh, got into a couple of partnerships, and then she went to trainer Hugh McMahon and, and said, I'm ready to get a horse. And he, a few days later, Hugh called her and said, I got a horse for you. And so she has owned horses now for, I guess, seven, eight years, something like that. She's 87 years old. She has, I think, four horses in her stable, just a small stable, and, you know, she claims them because she says, you know, I'm 87. I don't have time to breed horses or wait for them <laughs> to be ready. I need horses that are ready to run right now, and and uh, she says she's having the time of her life. She says she's never had as much fun as she's having right now and just is enjoying it, and it's just, to me, it's such a great story. It's it's. The, the way that it talks to the way that horse racing can get its hooks in you and and just a really neat story she still goes to she lives in lewis delaware which is on the on the shore in delaware but she drives to the races at laurel when she's got a horse in at parks even the charlestown uh, she's driven so she'll go wherever she has a horse race and is is just really having a great time and and i, I just think it's a I think it's such a cool story. <laughs> yeah, look, we'll have to look for her silks there. Uh, Frank, we have a story to look up on the racingbiz.com among many of the stories there. Appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that with us on Off to the Races this morning. Well, my pleasure, Nick. Th thanks for having me on and uh, wish everybody good luck at the windows today. 
Yeah, big day of racing is certainly out of Del Mar. We're going to take our first break on a busy off to the races this morning. When we come back, Paul Espinoza, Derby Bill Watson still ahead. You're listening to Off to the Races. I'm not Frank. I'm Nick Hahn. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. This is Greeny with Mike Greenberg. I know that I would feel as though I was entitled to every bit of information that there was. Now, I want to make clear that I'm not saying they haven't been given that. Because in a pandemic, there are always more questions than there are answers. So maybe Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, doesn't have any better answers than what he's offered. That's not a criticism. That is understanding an attempt on my part to be understanding. Maybe he doesn't know any more than he's told you. And I fully believe they have made what they believe to be the right decision, the best decision for the largest number of people. And what you cannot accuse them of is chasing the money because this goes in the opposite direction from the money. Greeny, weekdays at noon on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. A reimagined Lexus of Richmond is opening on September 21st on Midlothian Turnpike. Instead of throwing a party, Lexus of Richmond is donating $15,000 to the Ask Childhood Cancer Foundation. Details on how to donate are at LexusofRichmond.com. One to two children are diagnosed with cancer each week in Central Virginia. Let's help make these children's lives better any way we can, any time we can. Follow along on social media at hashtag AskLexusRVA. Join us in support of Ask Childhood Cancer Foundation. Hey, it's Greeny getting set for my second week back on ESPN Radio. And among my guests Monday will be the PTI guys, Tony and Michael, together. Don't miss it. Greeny. Weekdays at noon on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Max. Harden is not in MJ's class as a one-on-one player. How could you say he's not in his class? Stop it, buddy. MJ was putting up 37 points a game in an era where no one could come close to that. Harden's not putting big distance between himself and the next big, big best scorer. The, listen, if you translate the 1960-61, or was it 61-62, and Wilt averaged 50 and 25, and Elgin Baylor averaged 37, and Oscar Robertson averaged 30 points with a triple-double, a triple-double with 30 points, like, the reason that happened is not because this, this was an era of supermen. It's because that era was conducive. It conduced to... Uh, uh, singular stars racking up huge numbers. They weren't imbued with some magic pixie dust that didn't exist in other eras. The Max Kellerman Show. Weekdays at 2 on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Hey, it's the guys. Join us Monday. Funniest thing for the sports weekend. Plus, I'll have my weekend observation. The Don Lebatai Show. Weekday mornings at 10 on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Mark your calendars for the biggest night of racing in Charlestown history. For the first time, the Grade 2 Charlestown Classic and Grade 3 Charlestown Oaks will be run on the same night, Friday, August 28th. This wild and wonderful card features seven stakes races worth over $1.2 million combined. The special first post time is scheduled for 5 o'clock Eastern under the Friday Night Lights. It's the Grade 2 Charlestown Classic and Grade 3 Charlestown Oaks on Friday, August 28th here at Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. VirginiaHorseRacing.com Across Virginia, from the Tidewater to the Shenandoah Valley, from the summer thoroughbred season at Colonial Downs in New Kent, to the fall harness meet at Shenandoah Downs in Woodstock, from steeplechase meets like the Virginia Gold Cup at Great Meadow or Foxfield or Middleburg, or Montpelier to point-to-point race action, on VirginiaHorseRacing.com Find them on Facebook. It's a great resource. In addition to live races, Virginia residents can wager horse racing online seven days a week via four Virginia Racing Commission-approved industry partner sites. TVG.com, ExpressBet.com, TwinSpires.com, 
and nyrabets.com. Find out more at virginiahorseracing.com. Ashland's Eagle Point Farm, located in Richmond's rich traditional thoroughbred country, an area that produced the immortal Secretariat. Eagle Point Farm graduates excel at racetracks throughout the Mid-Atlantic, but race at Colonial Downs with a home field advantage. Now managed by Karen Denehigatze, Eagle Point Farm is in its third generation of breeding, breaking, raising, and racing thoroughbreds. You can see why their 44-stall barn stays near capacity. Their developing horses train on a four-and-a-half furlong irrigated training track. Licensed trainers, experienced riders. In the return of racing at Colonial Downs in 2019, Eagle Point Farms captured the $100,000 Tyson Gilpin Stakes with the What the Beep. Okay, it's What the Beep who comes up calling after the lead. English Harris tries to battle on toward the inside, but What the Beep has all the momentum, and What the Beep wins the Tyson Gilpin. 200 acres of paddocks, round pens, gallops, and care. Ask about the Virginia Certified Residency Program and have your thoroughbreds take flight at Eagle Point Farm in Ashland and online at eaglepointfarm.com. Bria's Fashion Boutique is the worst. First they asked me if I needed help finding anything. Um, just because I'm gorgeous doesn't mean I need help. No matter how hard you work for your small business, online reviewers will find something to complain about. Then they tell me they're having a sale. Oh, so you're assuming I'm poor. Cool. And while Progressive can't save you from these trolls, we can help you save money on commercial auto and business insurance. Also, they tried to give me the friends and family discount. Um, I'm not your friend, so... Get a quote online today at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliated and third-party insurers. Live racing has resumed at the Maryland Jockey Club. The Summer 2020 Meet is currently being conducted Fridays and Saturdays at Laurel Park under the industry's most stringent health and safety protocols. Although Laurel Park is closed to the general public, fans can watch and wager on the action at laurelpark.com and on the First Bet app, the official betting app of the Maryland Jockey Club. First race post is 12.40 p.m. For more information on the Summer 2020 racing schedule, please visit laurelpark.com. Have you been to a Burlington lately? They have unbelievable deals on amazing brands and styles at up to 60% off other retailers' prices. No coupons or sales, just fabulous values every single day. It's a treasure hunt with new bargains arriving all the time and savings that'll surprise you. At Burlington, you get more for less, whether it's back to school, work, or just back. Now more than ever, you'll love the deals. You'll love Burlington. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company helps you customize your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Unlike things you paid for you didn't need, like the Vacnado 2000. A Wi-Fi connected vacuum that uploads Dust Bunny data to the cloud for real-time optimization. (laughs) Whatever that means. But really, it's just a very expensive doggy chew toy. With Liberty Mutual, get customized home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Ready for a getaway to the beach with three of your boys for some free golf? We're giving away a two-night, three-round trip to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Thanks to your golfpackage.com. Download the new ESPN Richmond app for all the details and to qualify. Tee them up at the beach. Brought to you by Myrtle Beach Golf Trek. And back live on Saturday morning, ESPN Richmond, off to the races. And Paul Espinoza will join us now, the track announcer at Charlestown Races and Slots, uh, joining us on off to the races. We had him on back in the spring as Charlestown resumed racing and going to get a little ahead of ourselves as... The Charlestown Classic, $600,000 in purse money, is going to be run on a Friday night for the first time, as you heard Frank Vespi mentioned. And uh, Paul now joins us on Off to the Races. Good morning. Good morning, Nick. How are you doing? Doing great. And uh, thanks for coming back on. An interesting race here setting up. Uh, It hasn't been drawn yet, but we know a couple of the runners here, uh, Math Wizard, uh, Mr. Money, uh, who won uh, four grade threes in 2019, Multiplier, Plesky Parfait, a very interesting horse that won the UAE Derby but hasn't run much 
uh, won m- much since. Um, he finished eighth in the Derby after that race. You got the defending champ running the Love You coming back. Um, and, of course, uh, War Story, who's a veteran of this race. I mean, this, this is a, a, a nice field coming together here. Um, I want to ask you about how racing has happened at Charlestown. But first, let's maybe just talk a little bit of racing here about uh, all these horses coming in for the Charlestown Classic. Uh, you got to be excited about this race as it sets up. I think we really are. I mean, I mean, you can really kind of sense the excitement in the uh, in the racing office. You know, the, there was just uh, as with a lot of things in 2020, um, you know, there was just a lot of uncertainty about what the impact of you know COVID uh, 19 and and just you know the the reshifted, restructured stake schedule. What effect was it going to have on this race? You know, what were we going to be able to field a, a field that that would you know deserve a grade two status? And I feel like again we're we're very excited with the list of probables. Uh, obviously, still um, you know like you said, all those names uh, we're expecting you know could add a couple more uh, to that list as well. And so um, you know, I, I do feel like th- there is definitely some excitement and relief. Obviously, that relief. Will will really come on Friday evening, or, or really more so on, on Tuesday when we draw these races. But um, you know, I feel like you know, given um, you know, kind of the, the position on the calendar when having to compete with races like the Woodward and maybe the Ali Sheba, you know, uh, I think that given this field, that uh, the list of names that you named, um, I think we're we're going to have a pretty good race, and it's going to be a pretty good betting card uh, from top to bottom, especially up at the top here with the Charleston Classic next Friday night. It, yeah, I think I saw this race as a mile and an eighth, but, but all the other races, a lot of stakes races run at uh, seven furlongs there at Charlestown. Previous winners, uh, I mean, this is an interesting slate. This race is usually run in April, but um, Imperative won this race in, 19, in uh, 2015 and 2018. You know, four years apart, you had Researcher. If you ever want to look up a very interesting horse, look up Researcher. He was bred by the Virginia Tech Foundation, of all places, run the, and won this race um, back-to-back um, in, in 2010. And I think 2009 was in, in the early runnings of, of this. Um, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about how how is Charlestown done since it's opened? Uh, you know, Colonial Downs forced to shut down. Um, through you know just sort of the melting pot of of horsemen that come and support this race, Charlestown just kind of keeps chugging along here. How how have you been able to do it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't really speak to a ton of the specifics uh, just because again, I, I'm uh, you know just a, just a lowly track announcer. But you know, for the most part, <laughs> I feel like here you know here in West Virginia, um, you know, obviously we're not as uh, we're not dealing with as populous of an area, um, you know, and so we haven't been hit as hard. Obviously, we are in in a part of the state where you know we we see some more cases than uh, than other rural parts, uh, you know, in in Appalachia, if you will. Um, but uh, for the most part, you know, we don't have as much exposure to it, uh, and I do feel like there has been a, a big sense of vigilance. You know, we obviously we've kept it uh, kept the the jockeys' room uh, on lockdown from the start. Only local jockeys since we've come back. You had to have made at least 50% of your starts as a jockey, you know, to be able to ride at Charlestown since we've started back up. So again, we haven't been dealing with a lot of, you know, in and out. And then we started off with obviously just local horses. Now we've started to allow some ship-ins, but, you know, just, uh, I feel like a lot of common sense things, obviously, you know, masks are required inside uh you know and that's a that's been a mandate obviously from governor justice uh and then you know we see a lot of uh horsemen and women out on the apron still even you know practicing good social distancing and and wearing masks and so again it's it's taken a lot of work a lot of you know teamwork and uh you know i've been very very happy that again we've been able to to stay up and running and and from a business standpoint i know that our handle numbers you know they obviously started off incredibly high for us you know around four million dollars a night uh, right at the outset of our you know reset our reset if you will and even now they're still holding at levels that were higher than than previously uh, we had prior to the shutdown so again just a big thanks to all of our our horsemen and women and our our staff here at charlestown for making that possible 
So the so the draw is Tuesday for that for that big card on Friday night. We'll be looking at that uh, when it comes out. But uh, it, certainly a, a nice group uh, put together here with those six horses I mentioned previously, and, and the champion coming back who won ten in a row last year at Charlestown, running to love you, uh, looking to uh, to win here. But Frank, uh, uh, Paul, sorry I said Frank. There were so many of them on the show earlier. Um, Paul, thanks for joining us on Off to the Races this morning. And good luck on your big week. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Paul Espinoza joining us on Off to the Races. We're going to set up the last portion of the show here with a little bit of music uh, to introduce the big day at Del Mar here. And uh, we'll go ahead and, and get that set as we bring on Derby Bill and uh, K9 Kenny Powers will join us in our handicapping segment here in Mirror Moments. Uh, let's get in the mood a little bit from Bing Crosby. when you can sing and actually own a racetrack at the same time and that's what Bing Crosby did the legendary song that just gets us in the mood gets us gives us a real good feel of what it's like to race at Del Mar and going to bring in Derby Bill Watson here and to our handicapping segment we're going to maybe start let's just start right there with the Pacific Classic Derby Bill uh, it's Pacific Classic Day the Pack Classics only six horses a little bit of a repeat of the San Diego but uh it's if it's anything of a repeat we'll see in a uh, very exciting finish of this race is mid-cart Midcourt and um, maximum security of really put on a show in the San Diego and, and going to see a rematch here. Maximum security, certainly a lightning rod of a horse uh, now trained under Bob Baffert. And uh, Derby Bill, uh, welcome to the. Oh, this is Kenny, actually. Uh, Kenny Powers is going to join us here on Off to the Races. And um, Kenny, Thanks for joining us on Off to the Races this morning. It's been a long time since we had you on the show. Canine Kenny, one of the original uh, uh, cast, if you will, on Off to the Races back in the day. And thanks for joining us. Good morning, Kenny. Hey, where's Derby Bill? I, I was I was waiting to hear his text. Yeah, is we're. There, uh, let's see. Uh, do we have Derby Bill? We no. Okay, we don't have Derby Bill just yet, so we'll just keep it here for the moment with Kenny. And, um, yeah, we have uh, – we're going to have to do this at least initially without Derby Bill. Uh, yeah, Kenny, uh, what have you been up to? And, and tell us a little bit of, uh, you know, your thoughts on racing in 2020. Well, um, hey, listen, I was just listening to your last segment with the gentleman from Charlestown, and I can recall some of those great bus trips that – we used to organize to go up there, and and yeah, a lot of people in Richmond don't realize it's, it's only what three hours from Richmond. If, and if uh, and if they've got some fans coming in, that's that's a great opportunity to go up there. It's a nice trip up into the mountains. But uh, you know, you were talking a few minutes ago about a horse, uh, the Virginia Tech Foundation. And I can remember the last trip up to Charlestown on one of those bus trips. I had a friend from work who um, was a Virginia Tech graduate, and she saw that um, she was looking at the program in the first race, saw that Virginia, a Virginia Tech Foundation horse was running, threw like uh, 10 bucks to win on it. I mean, straight up. And it went off at like 10 to 1. And the horse won, and she quit betting for the rest of the day. That was it. <laughs> So, so don't knock those Virginia Tech horses. They they do come through on occasion. 
Yeah, that they used to auction them off uh, there as as part of uh, the uh, foundation, the breeding program there, uh, part of the school mm-hmm. there at yeah. Virginia Tech. Uh, you, you know, maximum security in midcourt, uh, along with higher power, making up the the contenders of for the Pacific Classic. Uh, you know, we saw that great stretch duel with midcourt and maximum security. Uh, yeah, give us a pick here. What do you What do you think? Uh, you asking me? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I tell you honestly, I haven't really looked at it today. I I've um, been working on some other things that had oh, okay. hadn't really had a chance to chance to look at the races. But I do recall maximum security. I think if I had to take one, uh, I've been I've been impressed with with that horse. Um, um, I that's where I throw my money. I, now I'm looking at Brisnet right now. I'm looking at some of their spot picks. So while you're at Del Mar today. Uh, here's a couple of, uh, couple you might like in the first race. Take a look at Shanghai Grove at a six to one, and uh, in the sixth race, base seven to two. Um, I don't think Dr. Fauci's running today, is he, or did he run? No, that was yesterday. yesterday. He ran yesterday. Oh, I, I, okay. I think that was yesterday at Saratoga. And again, I think that was yesterday at Saratoga. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, now, I did not now, see how he did. You've been to Saratoga. Uh, have you ever been to the Hall of Fame there? I've been in front of it. I have not been in it. Next time you go in it, look for a trainer named William Ransom Johnson. Um, little history lesson. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Wigan was on earlier talking about the history of tracks in Virginia. We've got a great history of of tracks here, uh, thoroughbred tracks, and right down the road from, from where I live now in Petersburg, back in the 1793, back in the George Washington administration, they built the New Market Race Course, and the top trainer there was a Maybe just a, a little technical issue there as we're working through it. But, but, um, uh, but any, anyway, uh, some great history right here, right right up the street um, um, of horse racing. So just thought I'd throw that ad there because I didn't do any handicapping of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well Kenny, uh, good to hear you, your voice on the show again, and thanks for uh, coming on uh, off to the races this morning. And, uh, I appreciate and, it. Yes, sir. D- yeah, don't be a stranger. Canine Kenny, the legend, uh, one of the more legendary stories is on that first trip to uh, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Kenny had a hard time picking races. Uh, didn't have a winner perhaps for days, but came back and hit yeah. the dog track. <laughs> And hit that big. Four, I never forget the payout four hundred thirty-two dollars on the exacta, and that certainly yeah. uh, may, <laughs> was enough to make the trip worth it. I did. Uh, I, I got my money back on the, in West Virginia, of all places, at, at at the dog track, which is still there, by the way. They haven't closed that down. They got a nice facility there with a casino, and um, it's uh, if you next time you drive to Louisville, just on the other side of Charleston, there it is. So stop yeah, in and uh, play a dog. <laughs> Great. Uh, going to reach out. Let's see. Did we uh, just checking in here? Did we find Derby Bill? Um, maybe still in, still in the works here. Uh, we'll just. I'll give you a little insight here on the. I told you a little bit about the uh, Pacific Classic here, Field of Six. I pretty much expect that same stretch run, but I think Maximum Security. He's just a horse, despite of all the controversy around him. His trainer, the controversial Kentucky Derby finish, um, where he was disqualified in that uh, infamous race back uh, in 2019. He just keeps winning. He just had the one setback in his next start after the Derby and the Pegasus, uh, but then came back. Uh, and is, hasn't lost since, basically all over the world. Um, but uh, it has been proven to, to be a winner of, after the, the controversy with Jason Service and being switched over to the barn of, of Bob Baffert. He just keeps winning. New jockey there um, comes back in a second start, uh, uh, Abel Cadillo, uh, with the uh, assignment there. So um, I have maximum security here. And... Um, also, the uh, Delmar Oaks 
is today. That is a field of 11 in the race run just prior, and that will be um, a field of 11. Laura's Light, the favorite in that race, uh, trained by Peter Miller, looking for herd straight win. Derby Bill right here on Off to the Races. Just only a moment here to get your picks, um, but want to get your thoughts on the racing today. Uh, Derby Bill on Off to the Races. Hey, it's a late evening, Nick. Delmar, 9 o'clock, 9.30, the two big ones, Delmar Oaks and the Pacific Classic. Two favorites, obviously, maximum of security. Moving to the Bob Baffert barn, so you have to take him over higher power and midcourt. So 5-1-2 in the Pacific Classic, 9.30 tonight, Nick, if you're still uh, so brave. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try to be, uh, yeah, that late-night racing. I'm, I'm sure I will be. Uh, thoughts on uh, maybe any of the other racing here uh, through the Del Mar Oaks? Laura's Light, the big favorite. Uh, do you anticipate her being upset? Yeah, that's an invasion from the French uh, French fry people over in France. Neige, Blanche, uh, Miss Extra, and a long shot I like called Giddy. Uh, eight to one, nine to two, five to one, and your lady light is three to one. So a lot of value in the Del Mar Oaks, probably the best bet of the night tonight to bet at nine o'clock tonight. So uh, stay so brave till then. Saratoga, 546, the four-star Dave, nine horses in this field. Maybe just time for the winner here. Yeah, so Uni, Uni, Way Raging Bull, and Get Stormy all re 